This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. You're listening to The Church Boys Freefall Q&A. It's Billy Hollowell here with The Church Boys, and I have Tyler Bedos on the phone. How are you doing today, Tyler? Good. How are you? I'm good. So you're a police officer, and in fact, we at TheBlaze.com had covered this story um, that you were involved with last year in March of 2015, uh, this dramatic rescue of a little baby, an 18-year-old, an 18-month-old baby named Lily uh, Grossbeck. And, you know, this story, I remember covering it and thinking, wow, this is unbelievable. I don't want to spoil all the details. I want you to be able to explain some of it. But um, you have a book coming out, and your book is called Proof of Angels, correct? Correct, yep. So uh, take me through, <clears throat> just to start, March 2015, you guys get get a call, um, I would imagine, that there was this accident. Just take me through the events of discovering a vehicle that was submerged. Take me through sort of what happened, how you guys found out about it, and, and what you saw when you arrived at the scene. Yeah, such a wild day, and, and where I've been able to process this over the last year, it's, it's becoming clearer and clearer for me, but... I, it was just a, you know, it was a typical Saturday as far as, you know, ta- Saturdays in, in Spanish Fork, Utah are, are typically slow as far as, you know, police activity. So it was just a, a slow Saturday. There were four of us working, um, which is which is common. I was just eating lunch with my wife at, at one of our local restaurants. And and the radio, the dispatcher said, hey, there's this, this car upside down in the Spanish Fork River. Um, and that was all the info we had at the time. So I was thinking, well... You know, that maybe someone wrecked it and got out, whatever. We didn't have any details. So I left my, my wife and kids at lunch, and we, we started heading towards the scene. Um, when we were en route there, the dispatcher came back on and said, okay, now the fisherman, which, which called it in a witness, said, hey, there's a hand protruding out of the, the window. Um, so we knew for sure at that point someone was trapped inside, and it was upside down. And So that just, the sense of urgency really... Um, really picked up at that point so so we hurried and get there i was the second one on scene um and we get down into the river and it was really trying to just see it was hard with the water running through this upside down smashed car exactly what was but, but it was cold i didn't feel the water at the time but we just hopped in to do what we had to do and and uh, uh we, we started looking in and i could see that there was someone inside the car it looked like two people to me as far as in the front seat two adults um, one looked like female. I couldn't tell if they were alive. We tried to pry the doors open. Um, couldn't happen with, with the crushed wreckage. So about at that point that we were in the water trying to move around the car that we heard a just loud as ever, um, a distinct voice, female voice. Um, we all heard the voice and it said, help me, help me. What were um, you thinking so when a- you, when you heard that, were you thinking it's, it's somebody in the car, you know, that's asking. Yeah, Definitely. I mean, there there was no question to me that it was somebody in the car at that time because it was clear as day. There was no one else around. It was us four, uh, and it was it came from the car, and so it's like, okay, someone's in there, and we shouted back to them. If, if oh, so you all? Cabinets. So you all? Okay, this wasn't like a situation where later on you were like, "Wow, did you all hear that?" You guys were all aware at that moment that you were all hearing the same thing. Correct. We we were all aware at that moment because we we responded to the voice. We didn't know what the voice was or who it was, but we responded saying we're coming, we're helping. 
And so that was like the urgency of, okay, this, this car's upside down. Um, water's running through the car. If their heads have to be either close to or submerged under the water. And so we knew time was of the essence because, you know, someone's possibly drowning or, or, or could be at that point. So after trying and trying um, to get inside, it was it was too smashed. It was too hard to open doors. Um, the windows were under the water. It was just impossible. So we we just all teamed up and were able to. Looking back, it's it's amazing to me how we, you know the strength it took with this car. And I'm no no uh, strong guy. So to have the four of us be able to push this you know 3,200 pound car onto its side was a uh, was incredible. So we, we pushed it over. It was kind of at that point that we could see that the, there was one occupant, um, and she was obviously deceased. Um, a lot of head trauma, a lot of, yeah, I mean, she had been there for a long time. Um, and I glanced into the back seat and that's when I could see a, an infant strapped into a car seat. And at this point she was actually under the water. Wow. And now it had been about 14 hours, right, that the car had estimated to have been in the water? Yes. So after, you know, we took the car over and and we didn't know. So baby Willie would have been just just slightly above water, we figure, um, until we actually not knowing she was there, actually submerged her. So, I mean, she's, according to witnesses and and what we determined when the crash occurred, where she left the night before, it had been about 14 hours. And so here's this little girl that's trying to survive you know, 14 hours in the, in the, in the cold, cold, um, river, uh, the crash itself, which was, which was crazy impactful. And then we submerge her for two or three minutes. You know, it was just it's hard to think about, but, but we were able to remove her and, and, uh, she's doing incredible. Now I know you guys did interviews pretty quickly after and, and shared the details <clears throat> of the voice and, I guess, you know, what I know that you're not thinking about that voice, I would imagine, as you're rushing to rescue and turn the car over and all that. But at what point did you guys all realize, well, wait a minute, we heard, think back, we heard that voice. And what was that? I mean, was there a moment after where you were all sort of like, huh? You know, what happened there? Exactly. Yeah, it was, it was crazy because it was shortly after that. You know, after we were able to remove Lily, she was getting taken to the hospital. We, we didn't know if she would live or survive at that point she wasn't breathing at the time of course and and it was kind of after that we said okay there's there's a child that she can't speak and she can't say that clearly help me help me she's unconscious um and then the mom had been deceased for for quite some time and was killed on impact and so it was really that moment after that part had settled in that oh my heck what did we hear i mean that's when we all just thought what was this what was this voice and that's when it really hit me really hard to, you know, that's like a ton of bricks as far as the feelings I got. Um, and then realizing that that voice obviously came from somewhere else. How loud was the voice? You know, what was sort of the, <clears throat> and what did the tone sound like? Was it a, was it a scared voice? You know, I know it's kind of an odd question, but I was, that was my curiosity at the time. You know, what, what did the voice sound like? Yeah, that was it. It was a call. It wasn't like a scream, like a frantic scream. It was a just a calming, clear voice, though. I mean, it just a help me, help me uh, from a, a female voice. It wasn't like I say. It wasn't like it was a loud scream or upset. It was just a calm help me. Is basically all it was. So it was it was cloud or 
loud enough and clear enough for all four of us to hear an answer to the voice saying, hey, we are trying. We're going to come and help you. Was there anybody on scene who didn't hear the voice? No. Um, like I say, at the time of getting there, there was four of us officers that were on scene trying to try. I mean, we had fire crews that obviously had been dispatched that were on their way and, and such, but everyone that was on scene uh, all heard the voice, which was which was remarkable. Now, what, let me ask you, like, what was the role of faith in your life before this event, and how has that changed, if at all, after the event? That was what was so... So I wasn't... Uh, about a year prior to this river rescue, I, I was involved in a... Uh, I helped investigate a quadruple homicide where a dad had, had murdered his two children and his wife and mother-in-law. And being involved in that really shook my faith um, where I had to see it. And it's such a sad story to share as well, because here I am in this room for, you know, 12 hours looking at these children and, and uh, it really tested my faith. I, I'm LDS. Um, so I'm up the Mormon faith, but it really started to shake my faith at that moment, starting to doubt why would God let this happen? Um, which was my own problem. And I shouldn't have done that, but I did start to doubt what this earth was about and what, you know, started to doubt God, basically. And then when this river rescue had came, my faith was, was not good. I mean, I was, I was kind of in the dumps on a spiritual level until that point. And when we heard that voice, and what's funny is the four of us that were there were all kind of similar in that um, spiritual realm of things. We were, we were all kind of in the same boat. We were all kind of in the dumps based on some past calls and some things we've seen in our jobs in the last year. And so for us all four to hear this and then the feelings I got from it and looking back on it shortly after to, okay, this voice, you know, came from what I believe is an angel and, and someone that guided us to that car and, and helped us. So it completely shaped, it turned my faith around, um, <clears throat> you know, I don't have that doubt anymore. So it's, it's, it's been incredible for me. Um, can I, and, and I don't, I know you can't speak for other people. So <clears throat> I say this with caution. I ask this question with caution, but are any of the others, um, have they struggled to make sense of it or has it been as, as easy for them to sort of see this as, and find peace in the fact that, you know, this, this came from above in some, in some way, or have there been those struggles among some of the others? You know, I haven't had a lot of conversations with, I mean, we've, we've, we've talked, but as far as, I mean, I think for all of us, it was tough to kind of digest what we heard, but after really looking at it, looking at what occurred, I think we were all pretty close to the same as far as, um, you know, I, I think it was all so clear to us and, and we all felt, um, such a powerful presence there, I guess you could say that I don't think there's really any doubt in all of us at that time, but like I said, I can't speak personally for them, but I, I definitely think it changed them as well. Do you, <clears throat> were you surprised by how wide the story went? Because I felt like, <clears throat> and I guess, you know, things can always go bigger, but I felt like it was getting some coverage. Did the interest surprise you at all? And when you guys were doing interviews talking about it, were you hesitant to say, you know, that you heard the voice? Because I would imagine that's, you know, knowing that you're doing an interview, it's going to go out there, that that could be a little bit maybe scary or intimidating for some people. It was scary. I mean, as far as the, the media magnitude of that, it was something that, yeah, I mean, it just blew me away because it was, you're kind of pulled in all these different directions right after. And it was, you know, do this interview and do that interview. And 
I kind of from the start just thought, you know, I, it, it was scary because are people going to call me crazy or, yeah, right, you didn't hear this or this didn't occur. So it was scary, but I just thought from the very start, I'm just going to tell the truth of what we heard and what we did. And I guess if people doubt or, you know, want to criticize you for that, then I guess that's something that, that may happen. But it was, it was a shock to me to, to have all the interest. But then it was, it was later after all the media and, and even a month or two after where I I got all these emails and voicemails on my work um, voicemail where it's like, hey, from London to Canada to everywhere in the U.S. saying, hey, this this story changed my life. It helped reshape my faith. And it was kind of that's that was the moment that that I really thought, wow, I, sh- I shared just the truth. I didn't go into a lot of details, but for this to have people even affect them to where they're saying, hey, this helped or this changed me was when I really started to think I wanted to put this and some of my other experiences on paper. And that's what I was going to ask you. How did you come to to write Proof of Angels? How and I know that you you co-authored this book. You know, tell me a little bit about that. How this came to be a project that will now be hopefully widely read. Yeah, it was it was shortly, well, it was a month or two after after receiving these emails. I always I've always been interested in writing. I've always been fascinated. I studied some journalism in college, so it's always been something that's really been <clears throat> I guess, dear to me. I've always enjoyed it. And so I, uh, after I started writing my thoughts down, I had, I'd written my thoughts down a year prior when I talked about the quadruple homicide we had. And then after I got all these emails, I started looking through them and thought, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. So I was able to get in touch with a, a literary agent and said, Hey, here's some ideas I have. I've never written a book. I have no idea what this would take, but I feel this message is powerful. And really kind of went from there. The timing was, was, was great with the other with my co-writer because she called a couple authors and he was uh he was interested in it um he was he was looking to write a book on angels and so i started talking to him and gave him some of my ideas i sent him some things he sent me some things and it really just we clicked um and we both had the same ideas what we wanted and so that's how it came about and we we just wrote i mean all summer long um and so we're excited to have it come out here soon well, I mean, it's just, it's a fascinating subject, and I think, you know, <clears throat> to me, you have a situation where you guys arrive at a scene, there's nobody else there outside of the people in the car, one is an 18-month-old who can't possibly speak, and you have the mother deceased, which is, is an awful tragedy, but nobody who could utter those words, and so you ha- you find yourself with a situation in which anybody who's observing that, they have to conclude, they only have a couple of things they could conclude. You guys are either lying um, or it's true, and I don't see why you would be lying about this. Um, you know, you're always going to have the critics who who say, um, "Well, you guys must not be telling the truth. You must not have heard that, or maybe you're doing this for money or for fame or because you wanted to write a book." How would you respond to those people? That's what's so hard, and that's what I mean. My main goal all along was if this can if this can affect one person or change one person, then then it's worth it to me. And to be honest, it was great self-therapy for myself as well, just, just writing this stuff down, working on this and spreading this message. That's something that's worried me is because how are people, and I think it helped that we all four heard what we heard, because um, I think if it was just me that was out there saying, this is what I heard, and the other three are saying, I didn't hear this. And so I, I think that would be a, a huge thing for me. So I think when you got four guys that are, what I feel, very solid, saying that you know we all heard the same thing, we have the same feelings, I think that helped me a lot, but as far as, like you say, I 
I'm very cautious of that because I, I do worry that people will try to say that, but I've just stuck with what I did at the interviews last year was I'm just going to tell the truth of what I heard, what I felt, and I hope that I hope that people will see the positive side of it. Very good, very good. And how long have you been a police officer there on the force? I've been there 10 years now. Um, I'm, I'm 31 years old. I started right at 21. So it was, yeah, I started right when you could and I've been there 10 years now. Well, listen, I appreciate you coming on today, and we're going to we're gonna have you back um, right before the book's release. I want to talk with you more about angels and uh, the, the topic at hand, the broader topic at hand. I think you have a fascinating story, and I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you, Billy. It was fun. Appreciate it. Church Bowl.